0: This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning! It's it's trying to to sound all excited, you know. Morning!
1: Even though I'm so stressed out, I can barely bring myself to do the programme this morning. Car was late. I think mean, you're expected to go and find them now. They don't, they don't bother turning up where you live. You have to wander up and down the road. But I thought, no, blow that for soldiers. So I didn't. And then we poodled into town. Obviously, you'd think somebody would know all the shortcuts in London. I mean, I've been working here for ages now. And I, I know every shortcut, but I knew them beforehand. Anyway, the three-stone child taken into care. He needs life-saving treatment. This breakthrough, apparently, in the Madeleine McCann case. John Terry's dad found guilty of racism. And we'll look at the budget and we'll find out whether or not they have actually found bits of that plane, okay? The one missing for ages. It's LBC, it's Steve Allen. And all of that happens now, which is quite nice, isn't it? And we take your texts and emails, 83850 steve at lbc.co.uk. More you send in, more we read out. Why? Because we're like that, because we're just nice people. Uh, And the body of Tony Benn, I can't quite work out, and most of the papers can't quite work out uh, either. Why Tony Benn will lie in state in Parliament. That was, that was reserved for, uh, for a Prime... He was never a Prime Minister, was he? Was, did I missed out on this one. He was nobody important. You know, he was, he was a, an elder statesman. I wonder if that set a precedent. I wonder if that set a precedent. That could be very, very interesting. Uh, Jean says, uh, Lobster is mild and delicious, yummy with prime rib or steak. And uh, she says, It doesn't taste fishy. I'll eat pounds and pounds of lobster dipped in melted butter over sushi any day. Well, I have ordered have ordered a lobster for the producer from Sandy's. And uh, Stuart said, uh, So, I, but I don't know if it's live or dead. I don't. I mean, I really don't know. We shall have to find out a little bit later on today. I'll go, I'll go and collect it this afternoon, keep it in the cast. It'll, it'll keep it sort of fairly cold. And I don't know whether it... I mean, I think he wants to cook it. But on the ground, I'm not wild about bringing a live lobster in. I've <laughs> the rules about things like that? <laughs> anyway, uh, apart from that, we'll tell you the story of the two snooker hall bosses... Uh, who were Britain's dumbest criminals, and uh, the furious wife's Twitter revenge on her rugby ace husband. Plus, the girl denied the operation on the NHS that would allow her to walk. This is the same NHS trust that gave the inflated boobs to that so-called glamour model, who then after she had them decided she didn't want them anymore. A more stupid person you'd be hard pushed to find. And, um, and everything's up on the budget. Well, cigarettes. They don't want you to smoke, but they want you to play bingo quite worked it out. And my thanks to uh, to Noreen and the gang for the for the present. I'm going to have to take a picture of it and I shall tweet it a bit later on because you won't believe what it is. It is the most bizarre present. But at the same time, very funny. And so uh, I shall tweet that a little bit later on for you this morning. In fact, I'll have to, I'll have to do it after the programme because I've just realised I've left it upstairs. Uh, plus we've got another gadget competition. And it's it's a nice one today. It's a very very nice prize. Very very nice prize. So I'll tell you about that one later. But I I must I must bring you this story only because it's so laughable. Who who do you think is saying this? My neighbours must think I'm bonkers. As blank blank reveals, Beyonce workouts have helped her prepare for her first solo rock chick performance. Who can that be? Who can that be? Sarah Harding. Yes, believe it or not, stand up, fall down, in the gutter, stand up, fall down. Uh, tell everybody I'm a rock chick. And, uh, she's going to be singing, apparently, at Kensington Palace. I don't know whether that's the pub or not. And at the O2 Academy, Islington. She's been blasting out songs and exercising at the same time. She said, my neighbours must think I'm bonkers. I think they thought that before you opened your mouth, dear. I don't think they need to hear you singing. Not that we think she can. She says, I'm a bit more of a rock chick on stage. Oh, dear God. Uh, Sarah Harding is 190. They they do live in this delusional time, don't they? It's almost like, you know, Cheryl Cole actually believes she's a singer. It's very odd. It's very, very odd. And so she says, I'm going to have trouble remembering the words. Yeah, I mean, it's... The trouble is, it's no good. Because we know it's fake. Because, you know, it's, it's a case of, I'm a rock chick on stage. But well, it was only a short while ago, you were an actress. So I'm assuming it's the same kind of thing. I'm assuming that, you, you know, you're sort of pretending to be somebody. It's a bit like Girls allowed pretending to be a, a live singing girl band, which, of course, they weren't, as we all know. It was lots of posing and posturing and, and doing what, what people do when they're in a little, a little band who has a few hit singles. And Sarah Harding obviously thinks, at the age of 190, that she can she can sort of come back for the fans. I don't know what fans she's got. She's been on a stage for a year. You know, I don't quite understand where these people are coming. I suppose they have to, you know, in their own mind, they have to be told things. And somebody goes, oh, you know, you're really popular and you're going to be this and that. She won't sell diddly squat. Cheryl Cole won't sell diddly squat either. The public are not stupid. You're not, I say the public, I'm talking about you out there. I mean, I, I just don't think you're that daft. You know, there'd be a few a few people who would perhaps buy it. But the majority, it would just sink without trace. Because they're not singers, they're not singers. You know, if Sarah Harding was a singer, she'd have auditioned for West End shows. She hasn't, because she's not a singer. She's just somebody who's a bit a bit hungry for a bit of publicity. And so they'll, they'll flog any old tat to you. It's like the cast of The Only Way is Essex, isn't it? It's, like, it's exactly the same. They're just a bit desperate for publicity. And once it all fiddles, uh, fiddles out, fizzles out, then nobody's going to be interested. You know, they'll just disappear into obscurity. The worst thing is that they'll all be washed up by the time they're 25. It's a bit like being in a boy band or a girl band, and they, uh, they, they make an album with you. Uh, you don't write anything because, you know, they're, they're telling you what to do. And you sell your first album, and then the second album there's no interest in, so you're dropped. And that's why they've got this pop star, the reunion thing, to try. And you suddenly realise when you hear them singing that they were absolute frauds. They can't sing. The only one who's half-decent is Gareth Gates, and we know that because he's had a career and he's been on the West End stage. The rest of them, useless, absolutely useless. Nobody's ever going to employ Kavanagh apart from sort of working a few gay bars. I don't, see, I don't see any other career resurfacing because people build them up. We're as guilty as the next. I mean, I'm, I'm the first one to hold my hands in the air and say, you read about people in the paper, you talk about them, so they believe that they are famous. They believe... It was the other day, we, we did on the free podcast, that the hilarious pictures of poor old Lauren Goodyear looking more like a fishwife every day. Bloated, fat, so unattractive. And somebody said she, she really likes the Hollywood look. I thought, what, fat and bloated? I don't think fat and bloated is the Hollywood look. But they live in this, this little bubble. They live in this, in this strange world, which is the paparazzi and sometimes it's their own paparazzi who take pictures. Otherwise, I mean, why on earth would you want a picture of you know a few naff old people from the only way's Essex? You know, pictured walking down a street. Amy Childs going to a gym. Who cares? Nobody cares about them. What's so funny about the whole business? But I love her. I, I I embrace it, embrace it with both hands. I'm a bit bored with David Beckham. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just bored with David Beckham. Apparently, he turned rainforest explorer on a two-week expedition. The football legend, actually now more underpant legend, isn't he, really, uh, will set out to conquer the Brazilian jungle with three pals for a documentary uh, called World Cup. Uh, Bex is seen cooking, camping and fishing. Well, I think cooking and fishing would be quite nice. Uh, on the 90-minute show, which airs in June. So uh, he's ob- it's obviously already been filmed, and I'm assuming something happened. You know, so we'll we'll wait and see. Uh, with that one but I'm just a bit bored I'm just a bit bored I'm afraid by the whole thing I don't know why I just am I just am I just sort of think to myself it's it's just odd and I did it oh, I can't tell you this story I've suddenly realised because it's it's an ongoing case at the moment but uh I'm not uh no oh, I can't tell you I've just realised I can't tell you I'm afraid uh, I can tell you about Madeline McCann. That's on the front of the, uh, a few of the papers this morning. A man who abused five British girls in Portugal is a new suspect in the search for Madeleine McCann. Uh, DCI Andy Redwood says he has an unhealthy interest in young white girls. So, all these years later, you've just come up with this one, have you? All of a sudden, this, you know, this late down the line, they've now uncovered this link, which had been missed by Portuguese police. They are the most incompetent people you could ever find. It's uh, 12 minutes past four. We're live across the United Kingdom, it's quarter past four, it's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Well, you've already heard on the news, Australia's Prime Minister says two objects possibly related to the missing Malaysia Airlines flight have been spotted on satellite imagery, and now a Royal Australian Air Force, Orion, has been diverted to the area to attempt to locate the objects. Joining us now is Scott Mayman, Director of News at 4BC in Brisbane, Australia. Scott, good morning. Steve, good morning to
2: you, or good day, as we say.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> I, I, I concur with that. So, listen, how how sure are we that we found something, or is it still early days?
2: It is still early days, Steve. Now, uh, the prime minister took the uh, unprecedented step to interrupt the uh, sittings of federal parliament in Canberra. So, uh, there is a sign that this may be um, some definite uh, signs of uh, of of aircraft debris but there is no confirmation of this just yet as you know it's been nearly two weeks now the the search for MH370 the Malaysian Airlines flight there have been furfies there have been wrong information disinformation going on but this is the strongest indication yet that uh, there may be some glimmer of hope uh, maybe some closure finally for the loved ones of those on board
1: i'm assuming that uh, as director of news you've been uh, as gripped by this story as we have as to where the thing's gone to
2: Uh, this is incredible and we've had so many theories uh, come across our our desk Uh, one One, of course, is that uh, the aircraft itself has been abducted by aliens, as many, many strange theories come across. Was it engulfed in fire? Did smoke incapacitate the crew and the, the passengers? But there are just so many theories that are coming across. The only surefire way to find out what really happened is to find that aircraft and hopefully with uh, four Orion search and rescue planes now on their way to the scene, uh, that hopefully that uh, in the next couple of hours we could finally clear the air as to what really happened to that Malaysian Airlines jet.
1: I mean, it, it is absolutely fantastic that a plane of that size with that many people on board, one minute is there, and the next minute just disappears completely, and even with all the technology that they have on these planes, they fly themselves. I spoke to a pilot yesterday, strangely enough, Scott, and he he thought what you were saying, that there could have been a cockpit fire which could have taken out the the pilot and the co-pilot and then the thing would have ditched but surely somebody would have seen something
2: yeah and as tragic as that scenario is that would really allay a lot of concerns a lot of fears that people have that uh, it may have been used for other purposes that it may be used as a nuclear weapon against another country Mm. now of course all of this is not clarified all of this is just conjecture like I said earlier, the only way to find out what's really happened is to find that aircraft, and as tragic as the situation would be if all of those people are um, are on board that plane and they're deceased, that uh, the only way to really find out what's really happened is to uh, find that aircraft. So hopefully we'll have some uh, news in the coming
1: hours. Absolutely. Scott, thank you so much for that. I'm very grateful. Steve, all the best. God bless. Thank you. Scott Mayman, Director of News of 4BC in Brisbane. So that's so they're, they're, they're sending up four aircraft now, four Orions, and they will be up there and they're going to go backwards and forwards. And as Scott said, hopefully within a few hours, and hopefully later on today on LBC, we will have some result. either Either a yay, we found it, or nay, we haven't found it. It would be nice to think that they found something, wouldn't it? I mean, that would be... That would be, and I, th- I think, as, as Scott said, for all the families of those people who were on the flight, that would give them certainly some sort of closure. But you'll hear it first on, on LBC. Uh, coming up this morning, Nick Ferrari and the team. Uh, he's got a lot to deal with today. It'll be the uh, the aftermath of the budget. And, of course, being Thursday, the Deputy Prime Minister will, will be joining Nick for a post-budget edition of Call Clegg. Uh, Plus all the reaction from the biggest names in politics and asking, has this convinced you the Tories can win the next election? And why are dogs being poisoned in parks? It's very odd, isn't it? It's very strange, that one. Gillian Joseph, the Sky News presenter, will be looking through the papers for this morning. And I've got some information on the the big debate. This is uh, Nick Clegg and Nigel Farage on LBC. I'll give you some details on that very, very shortly. But there's a very interesting piece in one of the papers today, which I didn't discover earlier on. In fact, I was uh, I was wandering through the papers at the beginning of the programme. I suddenly found it. And it's, it's only concurred, it has just reinforced what I said on the programme the moment it was announced. And it's the, the wake-up call for Susanna Reid, uh, who has said it w- she will not save Daybreak's replacement show on her own. Richard and Judy. Richard and Judy. Now, if anybody knows what the secret is for a programme, it would be Richard and Judy. They were very successful. And, you know, when they were in Liverpool, then they came down to London. And, you know, the rest is sort of, you know how how it all works. It's the likability factor on television. It is the fact that you can put people on television, whether it's one person or two people. I, I don't believe you can ever put more than two people on a settee. And as Sarah Milligan said, nobody watches breakfast television. It's just a clock in the corner, and that's it. Because you don't, you know, you couldn't really care less what they're saying, unless you see breaking news coming up. That's why more people listen to the radio in the morning because that you can hear it in the car, you can take it with you, you can have it on your telephone. You're not remotely interested whether they've taken some some blonde bird with huge bosoms to sit there and read an auto cue. You couldn't care less, and that's what they they've said. They said it's got nothing to do with celebrities or the presenter. No. It's the programme. You cannot put your finger on it. If there was a magic formula for doing an instant programme, a program that would work and would win you over, then they'd all be adhering to it. It's like the old the old thing about, you know, if diets work, there'd only be one but there's millions of them because they know damn well that whether you're the Duchess of Pork or whatever, you're still going to get fat and put on weight because that's the very nature of, of the people we are now, this insatiable appetite that the British public have for being thin and losing weight. And I've fallen into it myself, so, you know, I'm I'm holding my hands up and saying I'm as guilty as the next person on this one. You know, I want to lose a bit of weight. Everybody wants... I don't want to be sort of paper thin. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to walk around like sort of some of the people in this building who are... Who are I mean, I look at people and I think, oh, but it must be nice to tuck your shirt in. You know, so that's, that's how easily pleased I am to tuck your shirt in. It's never hasn't happened in years and years. Every event I've been out to, whether it's public or private, my shirt is always outside. You know, because that covers a multitude of sins. Lots of people use it, and I'm afraid I'm as guilty as the next one. But there is no magic formula to doing a television program. There is no magic formula to say this will work. And I was I was talking yesterday about loose women and the fact that Martin Frizzell is um, is actually uh going to change the programme. And I'm thinking, it's got nothing to do with it. It's It's got nothing to do with that. It's got nothing to do with the people who are on the pro Some have got likability factor. But yesterday, Helen wrote to me. And she says, I'm not normally an early riser or a radio listener, unless I'm in the car. But on the occasions I wake early, I reach for the radio and put the show on, as I absolutely love it. Very straight talking. She says, uh, your observations that most prominent people wouldn't dare utter about celebrities and food and current events. She says, at least your bosses know when they're on a good thing. And talking about bosses, she said... You're so right about Loose Women. OK, so this is, this is you know, a per- I don't know what, what job she does, but she says here, new bosses destroying the show with clueless changes. The controversial, colourful and fun characters being shown the door in favour of boring, middle-class, middle-aged ones whose views are one great big yawn. Loose Women was a great show that used to put a smile on her face. Now it's starting to get on my nerves. It goes to show what happens if you put a bunch of headless chickens in charge. You should take over and be their number one advisor. I, to be honest, I said before, do not, you know, change for change's sake does not work. You know, loose women, I'm afraid very, Kay Adams, probably perfectly competent. She's as wooden as a door. She's as wooden as, she's little Miss Prissy. And it doesn't, oh, sorry, I got quite angry there. <laughs> I just banged the table. I forgot where I was. Where's the tea gone this morning? Where's the t- t- Dying in here for the tea. Oh, dear, honestly. I don't generally have to ask twice for the tea. Normally it arrives. Not generally about 23 minutes past. Anyway, so, um, where was I? Oh, yes. So, I was... Uh, Kay Adams. <laughs> I was watching Kay Adams. And I was thinking, you're very competent, she's, but she's bland. She's vanilla. She's vanilla. She's very, very boring. You know, we even though we laugh at Sherry Hewson because she's mad as a broomstick... That's what people want on the programme. That's what we want. You want a little bit, as I said, of, of, of froth. It's daytime. It's not blooming question time. It's not, you know, any parliamentary debate with Andrew Neil. It's not that kind of programme. It's light and frothy. If you want to hear good analysis of politics in words and terminology you understand, listen to Andrew Pierce doing his breakfast show on Saturday. He'll, he just does it in such a way that he makes it, you, you understand what he's talking about. It's a bit Tony Benn. It's a bit... T- it's not the, same, not the same politics, I realise, but, but it's a bit Tony Baird. He, he would sit and listen and talk to you and you'd think, do you know, I quite take this in. I might not agree with you, but I, I enjoy listening to you and I think you're a very good orator. And so when you have them on the territory, they've obviously got people talking in their ears going, OK, go to competition now, go to this, go to that. And I'm thinking, listen, we wanted the funny people. We wanted Sherry Houston and people to laugh at her. And she'd go, I don't know. you know, a bit like Mavis in Coronation Street. I don't really know. That's what, that's what we want on that programme. That's why, I suppose, to a certain extent, This Morning works. Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby talking about, you know, men's parts and bosoms and all sorts of things. That's what it is. That's what people want. And then you've got the loose women coming on, and it's blooming dreary. It is so dreary. I mean, even Eamon Holmes's wife seems to have had a humour bypass. You know, just, I mean, put people on there who the public can identify with, and they identified with Sherry Hewson. And to a certain extent, probably, old oh, dumb Collie Nolan. But that's what they did. And the, and the Jane McDonald's of this world. You know, you don't need to bring people in to butch it up. I think Clive Bull had a bit of an issue with it because he said all they talked about was sort of knocking men. But to be honest with you, faced with what they've got at the moment, the knocking men bit was so much more successful, so much more successful. I don't understand why, you know, they, they persisted it because you, you are the people who watch these programmes. And as Richard and Judy have said, there's no formula for doing a successful programme. It, it worked. I mean, there's no reason why this programme is far and away the most listened to show in London, and very shortly around the capital, and, uh, and up and down the country as well. But, I mean, there's, there's no... I, I can't analyse it. I hear people trying to do a similar kind of thing, but if, if you plan it, it, it just doesn't work. I did listen to somebody on a radio station the other day, and they were scripted. The whole thing was scripted. And I thought, how can you do that? Where is, where is, the, where is the fun in radio? Thank you, Poppin. Okay you Have been out tonight or something, wearing your, your sort of little black polo neck number? No? 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 OK. On a date, maybe, or something? <laughs> Always like to find out what they've been doing, you know, when I'm not here. And uh, so that's it. You, you cannot say what makes something successful, because we don't know. I mean, I, I remember saying to my boss the other day, I said, I find it unbelievable that I'm still working. After all these years. And of course I had big ideas years ago. I had big ideas that I was going to, this, this will make you laugh, when I was 20, seems a year ago, and uh, and I thought I'll, I'll, I'll be on LBC and then I'll join Radio 1. I don't know why I thought that was the natural progression. I thought I'll be on Radio 1 and have a white Rolls Royce. That was my ambition. Never happened. Never had a white Rolls Royce. Never joined Radio 1. But I know lots of people in the business and, and I'm quite happy. And it seems to make other people happy and the, the figures are good and, you know, everybody seems fairly, fairly satisfied with their lot. So um, so that's the way it goes. But we will watch Susanna Reid. But she does not have, at the moment, I'm afraid, and that's why I, I take issue with it, uh, she doesn't have the likability factor. She comes over as snooty and smug. And snooty and smug, I'm afraid, does not get you an audience. Because you'll be sitting there going, you're being paid How much? How much? You know, and all she's got to do is read big words and do an interview. And she'll sit there, you know, with her hair immaculately done. You don't care. I'd rather see somebody sit there with their hair in curlers. Make it far more entertaining. Far more entertaining. Um, Another one. Oh, sorry, I can't do that story. There's so many cases to do with sex in the courts at the moment. People are obsessed with sex in this country. I mean, I personally am not obsessed with sex. I'd like to be, but I can't be. I'm at that age where it's bypassed me. I would rather stay in and have a chicken curry and a, and a bottle of wine. I'm not remotely interested in this hanky-panky nonsense that goes on in the bedroom. As far as I'm concerned, the bedroom is there for sleeping. A, a, a friend of mine said to me earlier on, he said, oh, I'm going out with this person at the moment and the sex is wild. I thought, grow up, for goodness sake, honestly. Who cares? Sex is wild. <gasps> anyway, Mick Jagger is so stunned by his uh, girlfriend Lorenz Scott's suicide he's not left his hotel bedroom they've cancelled the tour now which is obviously what they are having. I mean, how could you how could you carry on after that the only people he's speaking to are his daughters Elizabeth and Georgia May he's coming to terms with it and uh, they say that he's he's really badly as you would be as you would be in this in this situation so he's there so they've cancelled this uh, Australasian tour Mick is so devastated, some insiders fear that the band may have performed their last gig. They fear that he may not be able to get over this. She hanged herself with a silk scarf, as you know, in her Manhattan apartment, two days before she was allegedly due to reveal her fashion label was bust. But I don't think that's enough for somebody to actually take their own life. There has to be more going on in somebody's mind. You know, we've all had times where, you know, you've got no money, people are knocking at the door and the bank are writing you letters, but you don't commit suicide, do you? So there must there must be more to this. Must be more. Coming up, the furious wife's Twitter revenge on her rugby ace. It's not pleasant, but we'll make it as entertaining as possible.
0: Steve Allen on LBC.
1: 27 minutes to Five is the time. It's LBC. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. You're very welcome. Uh, don't forget that uh, we have coming up the LBC leaders debate. And it's your opportunity for, you know to be part of that battle. We would love you to be part of that battle. You can put forward your question for Nick Clegg and Nigel Farage on Britain's membership of the European Union. All you have to do is go to the LBC website and submit your question. So one week to go before the LBC leaders' debate, live on LBC and lbc.co.uk. It's next Wednesday at 7pm. Uh, It's first on LBC, truly leading Britain's conversation. So go to the website, lbc.co.uk, and submit your question, and then you can be part of a bit of history, because I think we've, we've, uh, we've almost widened the goalposts. On this one. Lovely picture in the paper today of poor old drunk Chloe Sims. As they say, this is the plastic princess. She's way too old to be going out to clubs at the age of 31 and looking the way she does. I mean, dear God in heaven. She was out snogging the face off Mario Falcone, uh, otherwise known as the Essex Creep, uh, because he's a bit... bit, bit tacky, isn't he, I'm afraid. And Chloe Sims. Do you not have a daughter, Chloe? I seem to remember that somewhere in the dim and distant past, you have a child. Should you not be staying in a bit more as opposed to disporting yourself like an 18-year-old? You're 31. You need to grow up a little bit. I've seen her on the television. They they, they put a few of these old people on television. One is um, Chloe Sims. Who's the other one they put on who was dumped from... Oh, Joey Essex's sister called... Frankie Essex. She was on there talking about hair extensions. But when you listen to Chloe doing this sort of... She talks like a three-year-old. There's something about it the matter with all these people on the Anyways Essex. Do they delib- deliberately go out to look for people who are slightly remedial or a bit stupid? Because when it gets to Chloe Sims, you think, 31 years old, wearing a skirt. I mean, frankly, hookers wear more than you, dear. You're looking a bit tarty, I'm afraid, of late. A bit late. Can we have a competition, Steve, to guess what Maureen sent you? Um, Noreen. Noreen sent me. No, you can't. No, you've definitely... Oh, I do have a competition for you this morning, which I'll give you in one uh, one second. Uh, another one here. Did you know Daphne from Eggheads is retiring? She's just recorded her last show. It, it, it is MI5. I tell you, he was on the television yesterday. My God, he's a bore. C.J. Demouy, made-up name, of course. It's not his name at all. This is the one who apparently slept on a park bench in Middlesbrough or some godforsaken place for three months because, his, uh, because of his so-called family. But uh, he's so awful on this Egghead spin-off programme. I mean, it really is. It's the worst case of acting I've ever seen in my entire life. It's just dreadful. They should have put Daphne on there. You know, we we laugh. We laugh at, at Daphne because... But she knows the answer to everything, and she's got a bit of humility. Whereas C.J. Amui is just stuck up his own whatever. Uh, Sarah Harding, rock chick, says Kevin the Miltman. Well, Steve, four words I never thought I'd hear in the same sentence. I know, she's so delusional, it's laughable, isn't it? It is absolutely laughable, yeah, because I'm a bit Beyonce. Oh, grow up, for God's sake. You watch. Watch her sink without trace. Uh, 84850, oh, Pauline Kilburn, I don't know. I, n- I don't know that, actually. Uh, LBC, uh, Steve, the new pound coin, Winston Churchill, the greatest prime minister we've ever had, and the wording should read, we shall never surrender. We shall fight them on... Yes, thank you. Which goes very well. Uh, another one here, saying about the budget. I mean, I don't know who it's for, the budget. I really don't. I mean, they, they, they've cut the tax on booze, but they do that because there's so many alcoholics working in Parliament. Have you seen the, the bars round there? I mean, the whole place, it seems to be run on alcohol... And so they are always very careful to sort of reduce the, uh, the, the duty, I think, on a bottle of whiskey. Kay Adams was the original chief panelist on Loose Women years ago. Kerry Katona was a regular on the panel when she was married to Brian McFadden, says Teresa. Yes, Kerry Katona was just useless on it. Made me laugh every time they used to put Jordan on there. The whole, they used to, I mean, everybody except Karen McGiffin used to sit there looking at her with toe, so, so much distaste. You know, I used, to, I used to absolutely love it. She'd sit there and quite clearly, she absolutely hated Jordan. You know, because Jordan was just this droning, monotone voice. Awful. Uh, so, we at last get rid of drip, Peter Andre. Now we've got the brains of the plant pot, Joey Thicco Essex. Yeah, I mean, that, that'll sink without trace. That'll sink. Uh, Daniel says, I took your advice. and got a dashboard camera. How can they make it for 24 quid? It's got a small TV screen, records my journey. Great buy from eBay. How do they make it for 24 quid? It's made in China. They're, they're probably making it for about three pounds, I should imagine. Uh, let's start Loose Men," says Derek from the jewellery Channel. They've done it. They tried it. They put Jeff Brazier on there. It didn't? It didn't work. It didn't. I just think people saw him as sort of a little cute thing to put on television, but there the, the wasn't the there wasn't the depth that you needed. And I I say that with all all i not being bitchy or anything like that. I'm just telling you that's exactly you know how it is. And so, uh, you know, uh, one here, uh, belated birthday wishes, credit where credit is due. The lottery surely has your name on it, I, p- I wish. I did dream about it the other night, actually. I dreamt that I won the lottery and I gave some, to them, some money to the producer. It's only a joke. It's only a joke. It's not, lo- not, not legally binding. He became quite animated then. And I said, All I asked for is a small lobster. Yeah, right, says Pat in Hammersmith. A small lobster. I don't know what this lobster is going to be like. I've got no idea. But uh, he's definitely getting one tomorrow. Now, whether it's cooked or it's uncooked, I don't know. I'm a bit frightened that I might bring it in and it might start moving. (laughs) Freaks you out, doesn't it, really, I'm afraid. Uh, I think I'm going to upset you, Steve, says Dan. I can happily sit there for hours and just watch Susanna read. I know, I know. Public enemy number one. Yes, well, a misspent youth, I reckon, Dan. Misspent youth. Uh, And Jan says, here we are celebrating a certain person's birthday. There they are, look, there they all are. There they all are. Look at them look at them. We've got Neil, honestly. Everybody looks very happy, don't they? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Ten of them! Ten of them. Look at that wine glass. Look at that look at the amount of wine they were drinking at Joe Allen's. I know that table very well indeed. Um, I hope you had a, a nice time and I hope you um, you sent sympathies to me for the blooming doctor and the nurse. I'd see the diabetic nurse yesterday. That's why I went out to celebrate afterwards, because she was very excited. She was very excited, we managed to get the blood sugar in. This morning I tried to do my blood sugars, but I couldn't, because I couldn't get any blood out of my fingers. Strangely, they might say. I mean, I've shaken them, I've run them under a hot tap, but I can't get any blood out at all, so we'll have to do it later on. The producer's guessing... What did he say? 8 point what? 8 point... 8.6. We had 8.6 the other day, didn't we? That was the other day. So 9.2, you guessed. Did you? OK, 9.2. Well, we, we, we will try it at some point, once I can get some blood back. Uh, we do have... A gadget giveaway today. Yesterday, Mark Watling from Turnford. Correctly identified. Sylvester Stallone is the actor who plays Rocky. I'll be back. Anyway, he got the uh, the fabulous Wii console. So, well done, Mark. Commiserations, everybody else. Today, the Apple iPad Mini with Retina Display. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big up the Apple iPad Mini. This is 16 gigs. Perfect for use at home or on the go. It's It's small enough. It pops in your pocket. If you, don't, if you don't check it out, you will not be doing yourself the favour I know you could be. One lucky listener will win the Apple iPad Mini with Retina display today. All you have to do is tell me which actor played Forrest Gump. Which actor played Forrest Gump? Text the word gadget. Followed by your answer and send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. The text will cost pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Good luck. The Apple iPad Mini with the... Ret- oh, it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. You're going to absolutely love it. So have a go for that. Uh, so thank you, Noreen. She has been a lovely time, lovely crowd at the, at the dinner, lunch. All met through you. She says, I've not caught up with the budget yet. I shall listen to your listeners' verdict. And uh, thank you for the 38th birthday gift. And actually, also, thank you very much indeed for the, uh, for the champagne that arrived the other day. And a huge box from John Lewis. Huge box from John Lewis. Uh, Mark says, seeing as I'm out of the loop in living in London and surrounding areas, I'll be bringing the clan over to the UK shores for a month's holiday. A month's holiday! He said, any tips about getting around London? Pedicab? Unlicensed taxi? Stop it. Don't start me now. I wouldn't advise anybody to get in a pedicab. I really wouldn't. They're not insured. You have an accident and there's a very good chance one's around the corner. Uh, be careful. My alarm went off at 4am, says Karen. I couldn't open my right eye. And uh, I thought, what's wrong with that? Yes, it's, it's, it's called sticky. It's, it's not conjunctivitis, is it? Be very careful with conjunctivitis because if you've got it in one eye, you can transfer it very easily to the other eye. And uh, it's when you wake up and uh, it looks like your eyes wept and you have to sort of get some some warm water, sort of clean your eye. She says, I haven't slept in a draft. I definitely closed the gate to the field last night. (laughs) Definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, Another one here. This is from uh, Junior. He's back in hospital again in Glasgow. God, you're spending more time in hospital than I am. Anyway, he's now got gallstones. The MRI will allow my consultant to see if keyhole surgery can be carried out Er, laparos... Laparoscopy. Laparos... I don't know how you pronounce it. Anyway, he says, I've had damage due to the radiation therapy, which may stop my consultant from performing a keyhole operation. So, fingers crossed. But I have got the podcast to keep me amused. There you go. I've always said to people, download as much as you can. Download as much as you can. Good lunch with friends, says Julie, in honour of your birthday, Joe Allens. Winnie and I went to Leicester Square to meet our friend Lindsley Bumped into Paul Fear, outside LBC's tower. He's just been on a tour. ...of the new studios. Oh, yes. And after a cocktail all three, made her way to the Gielgud Theatre... ...to see Blythe Spirit with Angela Lansbury. One word, fantastic. Yes, the review yesterday was absolutely unbelievable. She was wonderful as Madame McCarthy. From the first time she made her entrance, she had the audience rolling with laughter. And when she did the séance scene, she totally stole that with her wit, charm and energy. It was really, really well staged. No surprise, a standing ovation at the end. A must-see she said, reading through the programme, Sandra Dickinson is the understudy for Madame McCarty. She's much younger, isn't she? But it's it's the fact you're seeing Dame Angela Lansbury. That's 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 the big the big plus point, isn't it? The big plus point that everybody is, is going, you've got to go and see her. You've absolutely got to go and see her. She is so good. And she's I mean, she's been in the business a long time. She knows exactly how to work the crowd, as they say. Uh, David and Pearlie says, uh, re-loose women. You said they shouldn't change it for change sake. Yet for the first time, we hear you bang your fist on the desk. I would one like it. What, the banging the fist on the desk bit? You like that? I'm quite good at doing that, actually. No, they shouldn't change it. And the reason that they shouldn't change it, David, well, they should, but I think they're making big mistakes, is because the audience has disappeared. The audience is, you know, there might just be you watching, I suspect, at the moment. I, I suspect there are more people working on the programme that are actually watching the blooming Thing because it's boring. It's dull and boring. Kay Adams... You know, sits there with her sort of hair that doesn't move. She's a bit like uh, Eamon Holmes's wife. Her hair doesn't appear to move either. But I suppose when you get to a certain age, you know, people like to have it concreted in. There used to be a girl... they brought over that girl from Sky, haven't they, to do Daybreak, Charlotte Hawkins. Her hair doesn't move either. Do you know the one? They, they all sort of sit there. Philip Schofield's hair never moved. He used to use a can of hairspray when he was on Children's BBC all those years ago. God, it was years ago, wasn't it? Now he's white-haired. He used to dye his hair and then he let it go white. I think white's very distinguished. I think if you've got white hair, I think you're quite lucky. I think you're sort of one of those sort of people look at you and they, they have a little bit of respect. I don't have white hair. Would you call my hair a bit salt and pepper? Would you all just sort of. Grey? Grey? I'm suicidal now. You think it's grey? Blonde. Thank you. I, I might do a rinse. I might put a rinse. I might sit in the shower tomorrow and I might get one of those rinses that you put through to make it look a bit more blonde. I think I might look a bit silly though, really. I don't want to look, want to look like mutton dressed as, as mutton. Quarter to five. <laughs>
0: Steve Allen on LBC. Still to come,
1: we found more pupils are striking, but this time it's for a really worthy cause. And guess who's just been named Celebrity Mum of the Year? It's a, one of these crackpot awards ceremonies, just drags out a few naff people. Believe it or not, Michelle Heaton, laughingly called a singer. Laughingly called a singer. This is the foul-mouthed woman. I mean, crowned by Disney, apparently. God knows they quite clearly didn't investigate her background very much. When she came downstairs doing, um, what was she doing? That uh, food programme where you cook for a a bunch of third-rate celebrities. She was doing that uh, programme there. She came down the the stairs, she went, I haven't even got any knickers on. And I thought, class act you, not. So she's been crowned Celebrity Mum of the Year. What a pathetic award, honestly. Lottery winner Neil Trotter's ex-girlfriend missed out on his £108 million fortune, but is still a winner after marrying a neighbour two doors down. Oh, so he's got a bit of a track record. To, don't know much hope for the uh, for the latest one. The good news is he does have a daughter, and she's going to get a pony. He's 108 million. She's going to get a pony. Riveting, riveting. You couldn't make it up. I'd, I'd be going for a set of Lego. I think because with with a pony comes vets bills and everything else. He's obviously going to enjoy himself. I Wonder how long before he changes the girlfriend and finds some sort of blonde floozy to hang around with. Uh, Keith Richards yesterday, mix our brother, we're thick as thieves, we feel for the man. I think everybody feels for him. I think everybody feels for him. It's, you know, it can't be pleasant to discover anything like that. And to be told as well when you're thousands and thousands of miles away. Uh, John Terry's father was fined £200 for racially abusing an Irishman weeks after allegedly calling an Asian rail firm worker a so-and-so, so-and-so. Ted Terry, nice little piece of work, lashed out at the man calling him an Irish... And then all sorts of things. And uh, after he tried to stop Terry hurling abuse at rail station staff in Barking in Essex, the old Bailey heard he was fined by JPs after the incident last May. He's accused of racially assaulting and threatening a rail worker. It doesn't look good, does it, for the Terry family? They don't have much luck, really. You have to feel an element of sympathy for them, just for existing, I suppose. Uh, Rod Little got a picture of uh, Paris Hilton with her. Pooch, called Peter Pan. It's one of those dogs you hold. It's not a dog that appears to be able to walk. I always get very annoyed about that. Very annoyed about people who sort of pick dogs up. I was on the bus ages ago, I told you, and I'm sitting there. And it's a woman sitting there with a small dog in a handbag. I thought these people should be taken into care. Leave the, leave the dog to fend for itself. <laughs> Laughingly, Jessica Wright from The Only ways Essex still thinks she has a career singing. You don't, dear, OK? I might as well save you the bother of even wasting your time going into a studio. You can't sing, OK? it's It's not good. And Rizzle Kicks... Told Joey Essex a new one on Twitter, taking the mick out of the Towie star's new album. The hip hop duo posted, "Yo, at Joey Essex, are you having us on? Because if you are, you're a genius. But if you're not, I'm gonna have a panic attack." They attached his girl's lips pout and described him. As intellectually challenged, of course it is, the album's a pile of old rubbish. This this is the stuff he dances to in Sugar Hut. Have you ever seen Joey Essex dancing? He's got two left feet, can't sing, can't dance. But he does look a bit girly, I'm afraid. He looks he looks like ma- male drag. That's what he looks like, I'm afraid. And uh, not very exciting at all. Weather for today. Weather for today. You want to know the weather, don't you? No, you don't. I've decided I'm not going to bring you the weather just yet. <laughs> not just yet. I'll bring it later. Because yesterday I thought it was quite nice. Yesterday I was very uh, very pleased with the way things turned. Cold. Cold yesterday. Lunchtime. Cold. Going to doctor's surgery. I thought should I should have put a jumper on, I'm afraid. It was, it was that bad. Not good at all. Uh, 8 for 850. Oh, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here. It says, what happened to your meeting with the boss? Oh, was all very good. All very positive. We just thrashed out a few details. You know. When I say thrashed, I mean that in the nicest possible way. Yes, you know, because we've got the new Sunday show coming up, so you have to sit down and discuss things. They don't just sort of phone you up and go, you're doing the Sunday show. They ask if you want to do it, you know, and then you, you talk business, and then at the end of the day you shake hands, and, um, and then you start invoicing, and that's the way it works. <laughs> I can't explain it any clearer than that. It's like taking your car. I must actually take my car in for a service. I'm overdue a service. I thought about it the other day, but I'm not sure if my friend Peter is back with us. Peter, who was uh, diagnosed with, uh, with an illness a short while ago, and I'm hoping he's still working. I'm hoping but I haven't heard anything, so I don't know. I might have to take a, a trip down there later on today. Uh, John in Horsham says, Your blood's worth bottling. It's an old Irish compliment. Your blood's worth bottling. God. I don't think it is, actually. It's a bit... Although it looked very red yesterday when I was doing it. Very, very red. So here is the estranged wife of the rugby ace, Andy Powell. I've got no idea who he is. I, I mean, really, he, he, it could be, you know, Daffy Duck. I've got no idea. Anyway... Uh, his estranged wife has put his explicit love messages on the net and branded him a scumbag. And so he's six foot four, former Wales and British Lions star, had begged to get back with Natasha Gascoigne, whoever she is. But she rebuffed him by placing all his CD texts on her Twitter page and uh, then put his love notes and rugby shirts up for sale for charity. Nothing like a woman scorned, is the. I mean, she looks a bit of old rough, but anyway. She's also selling a ring for £10,000 and her wedding dress for 500 saying the sentimental value of these pieces mean little now. They uh, they, they, only, they only stayed married for nine months. You know, really made it last. She's, um... He, he actually bagged her and begged... Her, I beg your pardon, to take him back in one tweet, saying she's the only one who can handle him. In another, he tells how he had the shame to go with a girl in France, but only wanted Natasha. She responded by calling him a scumbag and a mummy's boy. And, uh, and then she's pointed, you know, to her finger with minus the ring and all the rest. Really a bit disastrous, isn't it? Nothing, but why do these people play their lives out in public? I've got no idea I've got no idea. What is the point of that? Nobody's nobody's actually interested in this dreary twosome. I mean, mainly because you haven't actually heard of either of them and you probably don't want to ever again. I brought the bag of money in for the for the producer this morning. This is the bag of money I bought a while ago. It, it, practically, I'm passing my entire place on to him. I'm just sort of doing it in bit form. And I had a bag with throppity bits and sixpences and florins and half crowns and pennies and all sorts of things. And so I've given this back. I mean, to be honest, if you actually added it all up in old money terms, it's probably not even a couple of quid. Might just be those old pennies in there. I can't remember if there's any hatinies. But whatever it is, it's it's funny to look back at what we call the old money, pre-decimal, when how you ever kept it in your pocket. I'll never know. You must have had to reinforce pockets. You really must have done. There's a treasure hunter who has found a gold nugget. This is Merlin Cadogan. Yes, somebody's actually called Merlin. He started digging after his metal detector, Excalibur, oh, God, began beeping in shallow sea in Westwood Ho. He dug up the sand in a scoop, shook it, and was stunned to behold a 37.7-gram lump of gold. Wow. Uh, Experts uh, told Merlin the 18-carat nugget second only in size to a 50-gram fine from the 1800s, could fetch £4,000, and maybe from a sunken pirate ship. Wow, sunken pirate ship. £4,000. That was that was lucky, wasn't it? That was very lucky. I always wanted a metal detector. I, remember, I wanted two things in my life, and they weren't very exciting. One was a pogo stick, and one was a metal detector. And I remember, I remember my auntie and uncle say, we'll buy you a pogo stick. It never materialised. I, I was a bit disappointed as a child. I think I was deprived... Had I had a pogo stick, I could have been better in life. I thought the idea was, you know, just jumping up and down on a pogo stick. I did try some things once. They were a bit like uh, Oscar Pistorius's sort of legs. And they were, like, curved. And you could bounce and run on them. And you fitted them onto your shoes. And then you, you sort of ran with them. And I remember trying them on Fives Cup. I thought they were quite good. Again, very tiring. Very, very tiring for your legs. It's like ice skating. If you've never been ice skating before and you go ice skating, when you eventually come off the ice, you practically fall over because you can't cope with things and uh, and i i can't ice skate i can i can i can stay upright as long as i'm not trying to turn a corner i can go straight ahead crash into the barrier but i can't i can't do anything else i'm not very good at things like that i wanted to swim but i can't i mean i can swim but on my back how useful is that and and i can't dive i always wanted to dive but every time i used to watch you know tom i used to think to myself there's no way i could actually get up on that diving board and actually i couldn't even jump off it I used to become ill when he'd stand Tom Daly on the edge of the diving board on the top one with his toes on the thing and his heels. But oh dear lord, I used to break out in a cold sweat watching that every day. It was just awful. Just some people it doesn't doesn't seem to bother them. But luckily in the in the Splash program we were able to watch people who uh, who were as bad as I was. I mean I think at one point poor old Gemma Collins just rolled off the board. I mean it was like she got into the water, the water got out it was as it was as bad as that uh, I will tell you the story about the snooker hall bosses. they are britain 's dumbest criminals um, i, I 'll tell you they they actually I think they own a snooker hall. They come from Accrington in Lancashire oh i think i 've found the person who 's been putting the um, the stickers up for the prostitute. There was a car going up and down the road this morning with two Let's just call them slightly dodgy-looking men. And the prostitutes' uh, stickers have appeared again. I take great delight in taking them down. As soon as she's out of business, the better, as far as I'm concerned. Don't brasses advertising on lampposts and things like that. It's disgusting. It's bad enough going to phone boxes in London and seeing all these, these old hookers advertising their wares. It's quite dreadful. So I will tell you about the uh, about the snooker hall bosses. I mean, they really are particularly stupid. And that poor child, eight months old, three stone... Three stone. I mean, it's this child is huge. It's been taken away uh, for life-saving treatments because you can't... I don't know how you get to be that size. It can't be overeating, can it? I don't know. We shall find out probably very, very soon. (laughs) Plenty more to come for you in the final... No, it's not the final half hour at all, is it? In the next hour. God, you've got very lazy with cut and paste. You really have, honestly. Uh, Dame Vera Lynn is releasing a new album at the age of 97. I don't think she's actually gone in the studio. A college has been forced to drop a so-called racist theme for a summer ball. the parents of uh, the children of strict parents are more likely to be obese oh, explains this poor kid here. and uh, we'll be crossing back over to Australia for another update on the debris that may have come from missing flight MH370 and the gadget giveaway it's the Apple iPad mini with retina display From LBC this is Steve Allen all of that. Is coming up next.
0: This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC, text eight four eight five zero Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, nice to have your company. The parents uh, of children, and if the parent is stricter. They're going to be obese. It's odd, isn't it? I'm not obese. I don't think so. The college that's been forced to drop a so called racist theme for the summer ball. Dame Vera Lynn releasing a new album at the age of 97. I have, in fact, met Dame Vera Lynn. And uh, lovely she is too. And we'll cross back over to Australia for another update on this debris that might have come from the missing flight MH370. And in our gadget giveaway, it's an Apple iPad Mini with Retina display. All of that and more between now and six o'clock. And the snooker drug Twits, framed by what? Details in a moment. Plus, of course, we've got the papers. We take all your texts and emails. We'll wander through the budget as well. I know that Nick Ferrari will do that a little bit later on for you. Uh, just to find out the winners and the losers. Uh, as I don't smoke, it doesn't make any difference. They, they could put the price... I was horrified how much cigarettes cost. Somebody told me the other day how much a packet of cigarettes cost. I was absolutely amazed. I'm so glad I don't don't smoke anymore. But here are the snooker hall bosses. Uh, they are Britain's dumbest criminals. I mean, they don't come any thicker than Arshad Khan and Abid Khan... Uh, 140 and 127. Uh, they owned a snooker hall in Burnley called Frames Snooker Club, and they were doing drug dealing. They're a bit stupid. They're a bit thick. They look a bit thick, and they now have got time to reflect in prison for three and a half years because they were doing drug dealing in their club. You know, thinking they were really big and clever, but they were a bit thick and stupid. They really are dumb. But they left their CCTV on, so when the police went in there, all they had to do. Was uh, was just go there and uh, and sort of play it all back again. So that's that's how bad they admitted conspiracy to supply cocaine and possessing ecstasy. So they went they went to prison for three and a half years. But how dumb to actually leave your um, your CCTV on. I mean they are possibly among the dumbest people that we've ever we've ever reported in the in the newspapers over here, and as we are nationwide. You, you probably know, some of these people in your area, that they are thick criminals. We see them on the television programmes all the time, don't we? People with cars and people with lorries, and they and the police say... And it's always that one big question. When the police stop them, and they probably do the same in New Zealand and Australia as well, they go, are you known to us? And it's when they go, yes, that you suddenly realise that things are going to go Horribly wrong. Well, earlier on, we crossed over to uh, Australia to find out the latest. This is on the Australian Prime Minister, who says that two objects possibly related to the missing Malaysia Airlines flight have been spotted on satellite imagery. Tony Abbott told Parliament in Canberra that the Royal Australian Air Force, Orion, has been diverted to the area in an attempt to locate the objects. Joining us now, the reporter for 2UE, which is in Sydney, that's Talkback Radio over there, is uh, Glenn Lauder. Glenn, good morning.
3: Steve, uh, good afternoon or good
1: morning, your time. Yes, thank you. Uh, So what is is the latest at the moment?
3: Well, the Australian Maritime Safety Authority, which is the authority that is uh, leading the search for the uh, missing flight, uh, has just held a media conference uh, in the last few minutes and it says uh, that it is on the way to the search area, which is around about uh, 2,500 kilometers southwest of Perth. Uh, they say that uh, they have spoken to experts who say uh, the debris could possibly be linked to the missing flight, uh, but they are uh, at pains to uh, suggest that it may not be related to the aircraft. Of course, they're saying some of the debris that's been spotted by satellite may be as big as 24 metres in width.
1: Wow, wow. So is this this particular terrain that they've seen, it. What, what, what is it? Is it, is it just outback?
3: Look- no, it's, uh, it's been spotted in the, ocean, in the Indian Ocean right. uh, off, off Perth. Uh, they're saying that uh, they're being hampered by the weather. Uh, visibility is quite poor. Uh, as you said, there's four aircraft on the way, including two Australian Orions and uh, also uh, aircraft from the United States and from New Zealand. Uh, the Malaysian Prime Minister has been informed, uh, but uh, the Maritime Safety Authority does say that it's not sure how long it will take before it can confirm uh, whether or not, in fact, the uh, debris that has been spotted uh, is connected to the flight uh, because of uh, those weather conditions. So uh, there still could be uh, a bit uh, longer of a wait, but uh, certainly uh, in a case that uh, has really captured the uh, imagination uh, of the entire world, could potentially be one of the more credible leads that we've had so far.
1: Yes, I mean, the uh, conspiracy theories, you've probably had as many over there as we've had over here.
3: Well, they've abounded, haven't they? Uh, Another day, another conspiracy theory. Of course, this uh, is official uh, government uh, information. It has come uh, straight from our Prime Minister, who, uh, as you said, uh, did break the news in Parliament earlier today, and uh, our National Maritime Safety Authority has uh, backed it up uh, in their media conference. So uh, certainly it's at uh, an extremely high level and uh, coordinating with uh, Malaysian authorities, uh, American authorities, New Zealand authorities as well, and hopefully uh, this could potentially lead to some uh, more information for, for families who have obviously just been so distraught and uh, unable to, uh, to do anything without knowing what happened to that flight uh, 12 days ago.
1: Yeah, were, were there any Australians on the flight, Glenn?
3: There were. There were six Australians uh, on board. Uh, two couples were from Queensland oh. uh, and another couple from New South Wales. So uh, they were all uh, holidaying and uh, it's just been a harrowing time for, for the families of, of those affected.
1: Uh, unfortunately, because they don't know, so they don't get closure. So hopefully if we get, and I don't know how long it's going to take, is this going to be a few hours, do you think, before we find
3: anything? Look, they're saying uh, they won't know uh, until uh, the the uh, Orion planes arrive. They're still en route, of course, uh, mm. 2,500 kilometres uh, will, will take a little time to uh, uh, to, to pass. And, and once they get that, I'll assess the, uh, the conditions, I suppose, uh, and work it out. Uh, AMSA have said that it could be today, it could be tomorrow. Uh, they're just not sure, but... Uh, uh, it, it, still uh, a very nervous wait. Excellent. Glenn, thank you for
1: that. No doubt we'll be talking again, hopefully, uh, either this this time tomorrow or hopefully sometime later on today. Thank you. Cheers, Dave. Thank you. Glenn Louder, who's a reporter for 2UE Talkback Radio in Sydney. We know 2UE very well indeed. Very well indeed. It's uh, ten minutes past five. You'll hear, you know, once those planes reach there, the Orions, then hopefully we will find out and it will give... The families of those people who were on the plane, some sort of closure to know whether it's come down, whether it's whether it's whatever it is, we need to find it. And it's now two weeks. And when I spoke to a pilot the other day, I was having I was having a little bite to eat after my successful diabetic nurse meeting. And uh, he's uh, he's a pilot. And he said he thought out of all the things, the only thing that he thought could be likely would be a cabin fire. That would mean the equipment bursts into flames, uh, the door, remember, behind it, they do have a switch. They can switch inside so that the plane flies on automatic. They could do that. But, however, the problem that it could be, if there's a fire in, uh, in the front of the cockpit, the smoke that would come back from there. And bearing in mind, you're talking about a very small space. There's not exactly room to ballroom dance in there. You're talking about a small space, two people in it. The smoke inhalation could have knocked them out. You know, and they might not have been able to see anything. It might have happened fairly quickly. We don't know. We do not know. This is all pure speculation. Until they find the flight, they won't know. But if the smoke went through and then all of a sudden things started happening. The door might have been opened by the cabin crew and the flames could have spread throughout the plane fairly quickly. And the smoke inhalation. Bearing in mind, you're dealing with a a small area. It is very easy for fire and smoke to spread on aeroplanes. And that's why they always say when they do the... The rundown to, before the thing takes off, if it's... if In the event of an emergency, lights will come on down the gangway because there might be smoke, there could be anything. You will see the lights and that will guide you to the exits. But if the cockpit caught fire and there is that danger, if they'd switched off, because we don't know why they switched off the... Uh, all the communication. I mean, that that, that that doesn't even bear thinking about why you'd want to do that. I can't think of any other reason. And then it flew on for five hours. So in the ocean, they've spotted this over in Australia. And hopefully we should have some answer. Fingers crossed the Australians are pulling out all the stops because there were six, six Australians on board. And all their families want is closure. They just want to know what happened to these people. If they find the plane it's at the bottom of the ocean, then you know the divers can go down and they can maybe bring the plane up and perhaps find out exactly what, what happened. But either way... They need to find out, and they need to find out fairly quickly. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Tish says, thank you for mentioning Historic Royal Palaces. I renewed my membership on Monday at Hampton Court. Such good value. Off to the Tower on Sunday. Oh, the Tower of London's brilliant. Don't forget, if you join Historic Royal Palaces, there's uh, not only free entry, but there's 10% discount in the shop and in the uh, restaurant. Everything. It's really good. You can spend a lot of time there. But my advice to anybody... Going to the Tower of London, whether you're a member of Historic Royal Palaces or you're just a paying member of the public, do the tour. Don't ever think that the tour is... Oh, I I know all about that. You don't. Believe you me, go on one of the tours, and there'll be one of the Beefeaters there. I've done it a couple of times now, and each time I learn a little bit more about what went on, the Bloody Tower, the White Tower, the executions, where the block was, where people are, are buried. You know, that's the kind of thing that you want to know when you go... To the Tower of London. So I hope you enjoy it, Tish. I'm sure you will, actually. I'm sure you will. Um, I raise a toast "Juice," to says Neil. He says, after yesterday's mention of seafood, I had to go for the mackerel and then the salmon, which was magnificent in Joe Allen's. He says, it's says, ni- it's a nice bunch of people, all very genuine and nice people. And they've come together through a common interest, which is me. He said, so, very nice indeed, and very happy you all looked... Look at you, not surprised you're smiling, Neil, just surrounded by all those women. (laughs) Everybody looks very happy. Who took the picture, though? That's what I want to know. Was it Cathy? Did Cathy take the picture? I'll tell you what I missed the other day. Do you remember I told you that the pianist at Joe Allen's, Jimmy, died a short while ago? They had a memorial service for him yesterday. Was it yesterday or the day? No, the day before. It was on Tuesday, I think, at the Actors' Church in Covent Garden. And I didn't go. I was due to be going... But unfortunately, with sort of hospital meetings and all sorts of other things, it wasn't entirely possible. So that was a that was a slight problem. But I did get uh, Dennis, I think wrote. Yes, it was Dennis who who actually wrote to me and said, you know, we thought we were going to see you there. But uh, but I didn't go. Apparently, it was it was really good and it went went really, really well. So very, very happy, very, very happy about that. And as I said to everybody, I think that Jimmy himself would be so pleased that people people sort of remembered him. In that way, because he was he was a part of Joe Allen's. He always will be a part of Joe Allen's. I think they should put his photo up over the piano. I think there should definitely be a photo of him just to uh, just to sort of remind people that he was there for many many years and he played his piano. Coming up, the uh, the first big name to sign for the latest Star Wars film. LBC News Time five fifteen. Your chance to be part of that battle. You can now put forward your question for Nick Clegg and Nigel Farage on Britain's membership of the European Union. Just go to our website, lbc.co.uk, submit your question. There's one week to go before the LBC leaders' debate. It's live on LBC and lbc.co.uk next Wednesday at 7pm. It's first on LBC, truly. Leading Britain's Conversation. So go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, and you can put your question to Nick Clegg and Nigel Farage. And that's for next Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And, of course, being Thursday, Nick Clegg is here today. And, uh, no doubt, they'll be discussing the budget, which is very interesting. A lot of the papers... Some of the papers are doing it, but it doesn't get the coverage that it used to get. I can remember years ago doing budgets. I think I did three budgets on LBC, and uh, and I did them with various journalists. And we sort of we were, all people wanted to know was that was the finer points. It's the booze. It's the excise duty. It's the license fee. It's it's all these things that want to know. about. In other words, are you going to have less money in your pocket at the end of the year? And the answer is, in most cases, of course you are, because everything goes up. It's an excuse. The budget, isn't it, just to sort of raise prices. You go out there. I can remember on the when they used to. And luckily they've frozen the duty on petrol, because I think petrol is at a ludicrous price. I mean, I'm paying 135.9, which actually is cheap to what it has been. It's been 141 or something. And so to put £100 worth of petrol in the car is absolutely nothing. I've only got to do two trips down the motorway. I've used most of it. It's just, it's just so expensive, so you kind of ration the amount of times you take the car out. Uh, perhaps I should have bought one of those electric cars, but they're just ridiculously expensive. They're about £20,000, aren't about 20000 pounds are not they Still a bit cheaper than what I'm driving. Anyway, uh, all of that goes to one side because Stuart and Dennis did go to Jimmy's memorial and they said, we hope we might uh, see you to wish you a happy birthday in person. Enjoy being old, says Stuart and Dennis. It can be fun. Oh, Stuart, I wouldn't go... Gar- well, actually, th- th- I can't complain about it. I can't complain about it. I suppose with with age comes experience. And that's that's the good thing, isn't it? So I, I like the idea that you, you become worldly wise about, uh, about different things. Uh, also, the paper today... Uh, Simon Cowell has hired uh, a nanny. Uh, apparently, she uh, she's the mum of a raunchy American comedian. There's no accounting for who they uh, for who they uh, put on there. Jody Albert, who as you know is married to Kian Egan, has admitted that the big reunion has been very stressful and branded two of her ma- uh, of her bandmates bullies. The former Hollyoaks star was in Simon Cowell's Spice Girls copycat band, Girl Thing, in the late 90s. When she opened her home to her former bandmates, things didn't go well. She's married to Kean. She said it was awkward from the off. The reunion was very stressful. As soon as the girls left, I looked at Kean and went, oh, God, what have I let myself in for? Well, in fact, Kean Egan is going to be my guest on In Conversation. This Sunday, start of the new programming over the weekend. Saturday, you get Andrew Pierce for breakfast. And uh, well-served up he will be between 7 and 10. And on Sunday morning, my In Conversation programme runs between 5 and 6 a.m., but repeated at night at 9 o'clock. I'm here live on Sunday for Steve Allen on Sunday, and that's between 6 and 8 o'clock. And then a brand-new breakfast with Kay Burley and Stig Avel. So they'll be here between 8 and 11. There's an extended Petri and Larry Lamb's here, but uh, you get me... Back on at nine o'clock within conversation. And this week it's Russell Watson and Keirn Egan. So two singers. I don't think we've ever had two singers on the on the programme together. So it's very interesting. Both very, very good guests. Very, very good guests. So I hope that you will uh, download the, the programme after it has transmitted. Other stories of the paper. The Express, of course, uh, love the idea that uh, there's a break for Madeleine McCann, an intruder who they say had attacked five other British girls in Portugal... It's only just taken... I mean, it's taken them this long to actually come up with that one. Uh, The Daily Mail. Millions freed from the annuity trap. The ISA limit soars to 15,000. High-yield savings bonds for the retired. Pension power to the people. Finally, say the Mail, the Chancellor stands up for savers. Uh, Other stories. Um, One here. Uh, This is the... It's a story about Cherie Blair, actually. The hypocrite who sacked me for wanting more time to look after my children. She champions working mothers and preaches to bosses about their duty to adopt family-friendly policies. Cherie Blair, however, seems to have trouble with flexibility in her own office. The wife of the former Prime Minister was yesterday accused of sheer hypocrisy after sacking a single mother who was unable to take on more hours. Louise Allain says she was made redundant after telling Mrs Blair her childcare commitments meant she couldn't change her work from part-time to full-time. A 41-year-old suggested working some of the time from home or job sharing, but that was rejected. And uh, Miss Elaine said last night she felt utterly betrayed by Mrs Blair. So what she's done, they've they sort of put down the communications. I mean, it does seem that they're very hypocritical, doesn't it? I mean, both uh, both Cherie and Tony Blair never seem to apologise for any mistakes that they make. They just <laughs> couldn't care less, couldn't care less, which is uh, which is a little bit worrying. Quentin Letts on a gloomy day for Labour. Miliband, he says, was like a chef trying to make an omelette without eggs. Uh, There's also, uh, some of the papers were still running with a story that we did on this programme yesterday, which was the fact that Prince William and his wife have given £5,000 to the flood relief, although I think £5,000 is practically a drop in the ocean. It's very nice for them to make a contribution, but uh, you have to remember the fact that we've just coughed up £2 million to refurbish their apartment, their private apartment. It's not like you can go round there and actually have a quick look at what they've done. It's a private apartment furnished in Kensington Palace. And they've spent a long time doing it. So it was a million pounds. And now, quite clearly, they've, uh, they've gone completely out the window. And they've gone for two million pounds. Lovely. Uh, 84850. Oh. Somebody said, good on Dame Vera releasing an album at 97. I wonder if Steve will be presenting at that age in 57 years' time. <laughs> I love the idea she's 97. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, Sue says, what do you think of Janet Street Porter on Loose Women? I think she's OK. I think she's OK. She's quite bolshy. She's a, she's a bit sort of, you know, she does her own thing. And I suspect, who was it who said to her? Somebody turned on her the other week. I can't remember who it was. I Was was it the other week? It might have been a couple of weeks ago. and uh, And said to her, but you're not this happy person you try and pretend you are. And so Janet Street Porter, who likes to give the impression she's all sweetness and light, she's not, she's a miserable old woman. She really is. I mean, she could be. I think it's a new programme, I think. Miserable old women. As <laughs> opposed to dotty old bags. And, uh, and they said, you're not happy all the time. And she went, well, I try to be. They went, well, you're not. I could tell people stories. My- Milkman Mark in Hemel, Milkman Mark in Hemel, uh, says, uh, the kids are looking forward to the Wii console turning up. So many thanks. Maybe they might stop asking you to put music on when I'm listening to LBC in the car with them. Once, I've told them where it came from. Exactly. It came from that nice man on the radio. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Raj says, there's a saying, silver hair means you have money or money is coming one day. <clears throat> Going for that one. Going for that one. Money is coming one day. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. Ooh, we've got a new, new cup of tea now. And a new cup and everything. How exciting. Look at that. I don't know. Do you think I should dye my hair? I don't know. Is it right for men to dye their hair? <laughs> Black. Oh, no, I'd look ridiculous. I'd look like some failed pop star or something. Black hair. Oh, I don't like the sound of that. I don't know. I always thought blonde was nice, actually. Nadia, my, my former hairdresser, lovely Nadia, and uh, Mark, her husband, and the family. I used to go to a house. She had a salon built in her house, and she used to cut my hair. Not that I was sort of, you know, a bit difficult about sitting in a salon. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. But uh, she used to do highlights for me. It seems hilarious now. When you look back, somebody, somebody sent me a thing the other day, and they said, you know, I've got an old picture of you, Steve, when you had hair. makes it sound like it's uh, in the dim and distant past. God, it is. Anyway, uh, Mark did get the fabulous Wii console. It's a nice one as well. Today, it's the Apple iPad Mini in my gadget giveaway with Retina Display. This is 16 gigs. It's very nice. So, one lucky person, and it could be you, could get your hands on my Apple iPad Mini with Retina Display. All for knowing the answer to this fairly simple question. Which actor played Forrest Gump... Which actor played Forrest Gump? Text the word GADGET, G-A-D-G-E-T, followed by your answer and send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. The text will cost pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Dot UK. In fact, there is a lot happening on lbc.co.uk. So if you've not been on there, do check it out. Also, don't forget to check out Timeline, which is Brian Connolly's new quiz show on the television. Lovely Brian. You can download that as well. The, the, the links are seamless on this programme. Seamless, I promise you. So uh, so do that. Uh, have, a, have a go for the uh, for the competition. And let's hope that uh, that you are the winner. Coming up, the real cost of changing the design of the pound coin. Because, you know, they've said they're going to make it like the throppity bit. So that's why I brought it in to show the producer what a throppity bit was like. And that's 3D. 3D. That's old pennies it was worth. LBC News time. It's
0: 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Oh, I'll tell you, we nearly had another robot situation a moment ago. We just checked in the... you Remember the robot? <laughs> the robot that I paid £150 for, and then they reduced it to 100 and now it's worth about £1,500, which I gave to the producer, and then we discovered how much it was worth. That was a bit of a mistake. And having given them in the bag, because this new pound coin, which is coming out in a couple of years, is going to be like the, the old threepenny bit. Now, there'll be many of you listening who haven't got the faintest idea what a threepenny bit is... It's not Cockney rhyming slang. Well, it was the other day, but n- but not now. And so I bought this bag of coins from this coin shop, which is over the road from the British Museum. And I ordered them by post. I thought, what a lovely thing to have, because people of the generation of the two next door have never seen thruppenny bits. And so they're going through the bag, and they found a Churchill crown. There's a Churchill crown in this bag. I've got that back very quickly. Just in case it's. You've not found another one, have you? Not found two Churchill crowns. <laughs> but it's got sixpences in there, throppity bits, uh, two shilling pieces, half crowns, pennies, hapenies, I think. It's a uh, 10p piece, not 10p piece, shilling. A shilling. But it's a Churchill crown. But then somebody said to me a while ago, I, I said to my brother, well, I've got some Churchill crowns, which my mum and dad gave me. Uh, they were never legal tender. You could never never use them. And I said, how much are they worth? Thinking they'd be worth a lot of money. He said, well, they're not worth very much at all now. About, about two and a half quid. So, in fact, they've not gone up that much. And they were done to celebrate the death of Churchill, to celebrate his life, not to celebrate his death, obviously, quite clearly, uh, to celebrate his his life. So the Churchill crown was out there, but it wasn't worth anything at all. I forget what we even paid for them, but uh, I've still got it now. A rather a rather heavy, rather heavy coin. It's fascinating, when you pore over it, and you think, this was actually currency in my time, you know, sixpences and throupley bits and pennies. Uh, did the birthday mug turn up? No. We're a bit upset. But we think it's going to resurface like the Mari Celeste. I hope so. Uh, 8 for 850. And then uh, Howard says, if Kay Burley doesn't come back from an assignment in Kuala Lumpur in time, you may have an extended Sunday show. Yes, I also get quite worried by that. I'm looking at her on the television thinking, she's still in Kuala Lumpur. I think she's, I think she's back in time. I'm pretty certain. Uh, not long now says Karen, for this fantastic film to be out on the shelves to buy. 24th of March, can't come around quick enough. The film, of course, is Philomena. We talked to Steve Coogan about Philomena. I love it. Can't wait to watch it again. Yes, I think uh, I also can't wait to watch it again. I've ordered this other one, which is called The Rocket. We couldn't think of the title of it yesterday, and the producer laughed, as he's prone to doing occasionally. And, uh, and I said, oh, it's about this... It's a little Australian film, and I can't remember what it's called. About a kid who builds a rocket... So we went online we went in Australia. It's called The Rocket. You know, <laughs> hardly original. Hardly original, I'm afraid. But, uh, so I've ordered that one. That one comes out very shortly. And that one I think is uh, is well worth seeing. But Philomena, love to see again. Absolutely love to. It's 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 absolutely it's a super, super film. Um a boost for bingo lovers and uh, the male have got a victory on the crack cocaine gambling machines. These are the ones that you find in every high street betting shop. Um they're all linked. It's a central computer. So you're not just playing against a machine. You're playing against the country. You're playing against the country on these things. And uh, they will be taxed more heavily. But unfortunately, it won't make the slightest difference to people gambling on them. It really won't. I can remember when you went into a pub and the maximum that you could win was... Was it £4? If you won £4, you got quite excited. You went, yeah, I got £4 on a machine. Ooh, that was a lot of money in those days. And then, And then sometimes... You'd get a repeat win and it would give you another jackpot. Sometimes you could have two jackpots. Uh, And then they brought out machines where you go into some of these betting shops, you could probably win thousands, probably. I've seen people with a lot of money up there and they still keep playing. And I think, no, if if you put in, you know, five pounds into a machine or ten pounds and you win, stop playing, stop playing immediately, because it's the only way that you're going to actually walk out with with any sense of, of profit, There's a mother in the paper today. She's condemned the NHS for refusing to fund surgery, which would allow her daughter to walk. Two-year-old Sophie Tomlinson was born prematurely and has a form of cerebral palsy, which means she can't use her legs. An operation on her spinal cord would enable her to take her first steps, but health chiefs have decided that it's too expensive, so her parents are trying to raise the £25,000 needed to have the surgery privately. This is the same... NHS Trust, that gave that so-called aspiring glamour model, the deeply, deeply unattractive Josie Cunningham, 22. She had a a £4,500 breast augmentation, saying her breasts were ruining her life. I mean, to to be honest with you, it would have been better with a head transplant. And then she had the audacity to go, oh, I don't want them anymore now, so you take them away. They went, no, you go and pay for it. A rather stupid, vacuous woman. Uh, There was also a woman who had a tummy tuck, a £5,000 tummy tuck. And then Diane Wiggett who had a gastric band fitted at a cost of £15,000. And yet for a little child to walk, desperate to take her first steps... Oh, no, we can't pay for that. Can't pay for that. It's appalling, really, isn't it? It is absolutely appalling, well, you know, how they decide on these things. In the same way that we were absolutely appalled on the programme the other day to discover a man who teaches the Koran was sexually molesting an 11-year-old girl... And he was found guilty of God knows how many counts. He's got six children. He doesn't work, incidentally, now. He's on benefits, so you're supporting him. And, um, and he was spared prison because, laughingly, his wife doesn't speak English. So he's the breadwinner of the family. The fact he isn't the breadwinner is he's relying on handouts from us. Seems utterly pointless to me. Don't you think you should get her out there and get her to learn English? I don't want to pay for this man for the rest of his life. He's a convicted paedophile. I want to see him in prison. I want to see him walking the streets of wherever it was he came from. Uh, the latest in the search operation for the Malaysian Airlines aircraft—they are now coordinating. This is the Australian Maritime Safety Authority coordinating the search. I think they've got four planes up there, and uh, they've received a, an expert assessment of commercial satellite imagery. The images captured by satellite—they may not, they may not be related. To the aircraft, but it's possible indication of debris south of the search area that's been the focus of the search operation. The imagery is in the vicinity of the search area, defined and searched in the past few days. So now four aircraft, the Royal Australian Air Force Orion aircraft, have arrived in the area about 1.50pm. This is 2500 half thousand kilometres southwest of Perth as a result of the information. So they're out there. The uh, further aircraft could be out there later on today. And a Poseidon aircraft is expected to arrive at 3pm. The New Zealand Orion is due to depart at 8pm. So the moment we hear anything from them in this search operation, I mean, it would be an absolute blessing for at least the families of those people. There were six Australians on the flight. There were some Brits. There were quite a lot of uh, Malaysian and Chinese. I didn't quite understand. And Brits as well. No Brits. No Brits on the flight at all, were there not? Oh, interesting. I thought there were some Brits on there. There weren't. All right, OK. But um, it's one of those things. I I was quite quite disturbed by some of the Chinese families. They were going to go on hunger strike. I didn't quite see what purpose that was going to serve because the Australians are pulling it all together. There's a, a merchant ship that's also steaming there. That should be in the area about six o'clock because once they've gone there, they can then scan the area. And it isn't until you go up there and you realise that they're, they're trying to find a needle in a haystack. That's all they're trying to find, and needle it. once they've found a bit of it, then hopefully they'll they'll be able to sort of condense the area down to where they're looking, and they should find something. And what they're going to do is, once they find it, they're going to drop marker boys, and then they'll be able to go out there and then go under. They might have some images that will come up. And it will be the task, I think, of the ships on the scene to relocate the objects if they become protracted. So if anything changes on that situation, we will let you know. I mean, all available assets, you know, they're not worrying about the cost of anything like this at all. Weather conditions, moderate in the South Indian Ocean, poor visibility reported at the moment. And that's when you go up there and you suddenly realise just how bad the images are. Uh, They're literally trying to find, as I say, that... That needle in the haystack, that was the latest statement from the Australian Maritime Safety Authority. Uh, Other stories, well, Dame Vera Lynn, Dame Vera Lynn gets gets my vote. I mean, she was there for everybody throughout the uh, the war years. Uh, Going strong in 1943, still going strong today. We will meet again. Seven was the age at which Vera Lynn first performed on stage at an East End working men's club. Twenty-two when she recorded We'll Meet Again, which became, I suppose, for many of you, and for many of us in this country, the unofficial national anthem during the war. It was, it was just, it stirs something in you. 24,000 copies of her last album sold in the first week of release, earning her a Lifetime Achievement Brit Award. She's had 22 albums of original material. 22 albums. 1954, well, sounds a familiar year. That was the year of her only UK number one single with My Son, My Son. Uh, 1995, the year of her last public performance during V.E. Day. And 58 years, she was married to her husband, Harry, who died in 1999. I saw her at the Royal Variety, and I wasn't physically there. It was on the television, and I think the Queen Mother was attending one year, and it was a special anniversary, and they used to keep a guest at the end of the Royal Variety secret, so nobody knew who the guest was, and they had two special guests in uh, in following years. One was Vera Lynn, who started singing We'll Meet Again, and then the whole company joined in. And the other person that they brought back to entertain the Queen Mother was um, Sally, Sally, don't ever wonder. (laughs) I can't remember her name now. Completely forgotten her name. Who? Field? Oh, I, don't, I can't remember what she's called now. I've had a complete mental block on her. Uh, anyway, her. <laughs> she was very good. Very good. Uh, another one here. Another one here, which says, who needs sleep when you can be awake talking about throepney bits? Stop it. And uh, one here, Steve, excited I won the gadget giveaway three weeks ago. Still waiting for the prize? Uh, John did say it would take up to 28 days, but so wanting it. and still listening. And James says, don't dye your hair. There's no need. Just remember what people say. Once they've had grey, they'll never stray. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure about grey. I think white looks better. I think white looks better. And, uh, and Andrew says, congratulations, you're my first contact. I've successfully made with my mobile since 7pm yesterday. That's good. Very good indeed. OK, listen, time for you now is uh, 16 to 6. Coming up, the gold nugget. You know how much it's worth, because I've already told you, but it's still a bit of a surprise to somebody who might have only just woken up. 5.45.
0: Steve Allen on LBC. Our Gracie.
1: Gracie Fields. She made her last appearance, I think, at the Royal Variety Performance way, way back. The Queen Mother was there, and it was the big surprise. Everybody in the cast and the company knew that it was going to be Gracie Fields, because she was a big star. Big star. Made all those uh, films, and, uh, and Neil, I knew Neil would know that. Everybody, well, in fact, you all know. <laughs> Nobody's got it wrong except me, but... I have to be honest, sometimes in the world, there's so many things racing through your mind, you can't quite work it, uh, can't quite work it out. Uh, Right, very quickly, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I am going to bring you the weather now, I've decided I'm going to ruin your day or not. Cloudy with bright spells, breezy too, With showers by the evening. Oh, riveting. Uh, 14 centigrade, so colder than yesterday, much colder. I thought it was very, very chilly yesterday. Currently, 8 degrees. It'll dry up overnight but stay cloudy. And then tomorrow, bright and sunny throughout the morning, cloud increasing throughout the afternoon, bringing showers by the evening, the high of 12 degrees centigrade. Saturday and Sunday, sunshine and showers. Monday, dry and bright, slightly cooler. They phoned me yesterday and they said, "We've, we've got a guest for you for In Conversation. So I said, right... And and they, they always run them past me just to find out if I want to talk to somebody or if I don't. And there have been a couple in the past where I've said, really, I, I really don't want to talk to them. And I, th- when they told me the name of this person, originally I thought, no, I don't want to talk to them. And then I thought, actually, for what he's been through, um, I think it'll be quite interesting. I think it'll be very, very interesting. So I'm going to risk it and I'm going to talk to Jim Davidson... On the programme, because the more I thought about it, the more I thought, wait a minute, he was arrested by the police, he was going to go into Big Brother first time round, he came back from Dubai, and then he got arrested at the airport and questioned, and then there were no charges, as you now know, but by that time they'd started the programme, so they couldn't do anything, so they put him in again, and that's where it became quite interesting, so I think the, the, the questioning... Apart from the fact he has a a big tour, I think a 54-date tour coming up. I think it's called something like, you know, Free Again or whatever it is, something like that, or Not Guilty. And, um, or No no Charges Were Laid. I think that could be... Quite interesting. Quite interesting. Most of Jim's act, I always thought, was based on Jimmy Jones' act. Jimmy Jones used to... I can't even say some of the things that he used to say because you'll think it's rude, but in fact it wasn't. Jimmy Jones was a lot of innuendo. Very clever man. Very clever. And feature... Nobody would ever put him on, on radio because they were so worried that he was going to swear. So I put him on radio and and he didn't swear. He didn't swear at all. He was, he was very, very good. Uh, 84850... Uh, So there I was sitting, says Neil, with all those lovely ladies, 14 lovely ladies and Joe Allens, but a very nicely spoken gent came up to me, stared at our table and says, tell me, what is your secret being surrounded by all these beautiful women? Before I could reply, that must be my fantastic personality, little Julie piped up, money. He was very amused, as I was. Very quick, little Julie. Very quick indeed. So uh, there they all are. He's always got a big smile on his face, as Neil. Always got a big smile on his face. I see. You no, know, we talked about being happy the other day, and how people who are very happy, apparently, what was it? They they, they do it, but they're, but they're insecure. They're insecure about being very happy you know interesting uh right other things that oh here we go diagnose diabetics diagnosed in middle age have a higher dementia risk oh, god honestly just to add to the woes apparently uh researchers found patients diagnosed between the ages of 40 and 64 are more likely to lose brain volume affecting their memory and thinking skills oh my god fathers <laughs> more than 1400 volunteers with an average age of 80 had their cognitive skills assessed and their brains scanned in the study, the results of which have been published by the journal Neurology. Diabetics diagnosed in middle age had a brain volume 2.9% smaller on average than those without diabetes. Oh, i tell you, I've just ruined my day. Ru- There's no point in reading stories by this, like this. I don't want to hear it. And for 150 years, an oak tree towered above the Devon landscape. It's a 100-foot turkey oak and it came crashing down, a casualty of the storms which caused the greatest loss of trees since 1987. And uh, the National Trust Ranger, Rafe Johnson, is there. The roots span 20 feet, but I should imagine they went out A great majestic tree, and it just went down. The roots was six foot down. He's, actually, he's six foot tall. This thing is absolutely enormous. He says, uh, I am now going to tell you, he said, that I can sleep a lot better in the knowledge that if the trees that are left stood up to this winter's barrage and still there, then they can stand up to just about anything. Because I told you, there is this huge walnut tree in Richmond which has been cut down, and I'm assuming it probably got too dangerous for the house that it was, it was next to. Very, very odd. Six minutes to six. Oh, well, I've been a bit remiss in giving you the time checks this morning. Uh, there's a lady here who imagined something elegant uh, and light brown when she went to a tattoo parlour to have her thinning eyebrows transformed. She said she's been left looking like a clown, a, c- a cross between a clown and a drag queen, and she's threatening to sue the parlour that carried out the work. She was given this £120 semi-permanent cosmetic procedure as a, mo- as a Mother's Day present. But she said the botched transformation by this company in Whitley Bay has left her unable to leave the house. Oh, God, here we go. It's one of these again. To be honest with you, I'm looking at her. She looks all right. She looks absolutely... Fl- if, if, if somebody had said, here is a picture of this woman, what, what do you think's wrong with her? I'd said nothing. She looks normal. So now, of course... You know, and the, the salon are saying she's blown it out of all proportion. Quite clearly wants money, doesn't she? But uh, the, the the brows would lose 40% of their colour after a four-week healing period. And so it's, you know, that's what it is. And so I can't leave the house now. Oh, grow up, woman, for God's sake, honestly. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridic- it's almost as ridiculous as Tony Benn's coffin resting in Parliament, like Margaret Thatcher's. And uh, they say now uh, MPs are asking questions. Why is his coffin there? You know, they've got a picture of, of Baroness Thatcher's coffin resting in the chapel last year. And Lord Lord Tebbit says this is going to make Parliament look rather silly. Yes, there's no reason why Tony Benn's coffin should be resting there overnight or throughout the day. No reason at all. Uh, he's going to lie in St Mary Undercroft so that MPs, peers and parliamentary staff can pay their respects. However, the move has attracted criticism from both Labour and Conservative MPs last night who said the achievements of Mr Benn and Lady Thatcher were not comparable Rob Wilson, an aide to the Chancellor, said it's an error of judgment from the Speaker. Margaret Thatcher was Britain's first female Prime Minister. She came from an ordinary background to hold that office and dominate British politics for over a decade. Even her fiercest opponents do not dispute that she made a huge impact. By contrast, Tony Benn was the son of a hereditary peer whose politics and views were not just rejected by the public, but by his own party over two decades before he even left Parliament. Yes, I mean, I, I think they've always overhyped I always said of uh, Tony Benn when I interviewed him on, on a couple of occasions, he was, f- he was a great orator, I thought so, but uh, his, his views were rejected by you, the public, so quite clearly. There's no reason that he should be in there at all. It's interesting, the uh, funeral will take place, I think, uh, at St Margaret's Church between Westminster Abbey and the Houses of Parliament. It will not be a ceremonial affair, but a number of public tickets will be available. Why do people want to go to somebody else's funeral? It's rather an odd thing, isn't it? You know, here's somebody else's funeral, I'm going to go to it. Really? Why? It's like going... I'm sure that there are people who just sort of turn up to anybody's funeral nowadays because they're, they're either fascinated by funerals or they want to hear exactly what the, uh, what the music's going to be. I was talking to somebody the other day, one of, one of the people in the office who's organising his wedding and they're trying to find ways of, of doing it. Not, not cheap... But it's so expensive to do a wedding. I mean, it really is so expensive. And I was saying, you know, um, how many people? He said oh, about 100 to the church. I thought, wow, that's a lot. And you can't have ordinary confetti. Most churches don't like ordinary confetti now. What they want is disposable confetti. Because if, if you've got confetti all over the place, and we're so used to throwing, yeah, confetti. You used to go out and buy boxes of it. We thought it was great. I don't quite know what the reason for confetti is. I'm sure it, it's steeped in the annals of time, but I've I, you know. But it's it's always quite good to do. But nowadays, you've got a wedding, and then there'll be a funeral later on. And apparently, people for a funeral don't want to see confetti everywhere. Why not? Why not? has anybody ever asked them? Do you mind if there's some confetti on the ground? And so, so vicars now go. Oh no, you can't do confetti. It's got to be you know confetti that disappears or something with the rain. or I, like, I don't know. Always a bit odd, isn't it? I always thought you know. And do you want the choir? Well, that'll cost extra. You want the choir? So so. He's, he's trying to do it a little bit cheaper, and they're doing... It's supposed to be a sit-down dinner buffet. You see, I think buffet is much easier. It's easier for the kitchen. You just bring out all the, the hot trays with all the food on, and then people pick up a plate and go down the line. You can have curry or whatever it is you you want. Much better than sitting down and they bring out the meal. It's, you know, I, I don't like that. You can use yet less staff as well. So it's fairly... I, I quite like that idea. Um, do you tell lies? I only ask if you tell lies because we find it harder to tell a lie if you put your hand on your heart. I have no trouble in telling a lie with my hand on my heart. Research shows we are perceived as more honest when we make the gesture. It's like, you know, people say, I swear on my mother's life. And you go, really? You go, Yeah, I swear on my mother's life. I'm telling you the truth. Because sometimes I've said something to somebody and they go, I don't believe you. I said, no, I promise you, I'm telling you the truth. I promise you. And sometimes when I'm trying to be convincing, I'm failing miserably. So I've I've just sort of given up on that now. Still motoring, a driving teacher. Her name is Laura Thomas. Uh, She's taught more than a 1,000 people. There's something unusual about Laura Thomas. What is it? Well, she's been a driving instructor for 75 years. (laughs) She's 94. 94, and she's still motoring on at 94, you see. Hope for all of us. Still plenty more for you to come in the final half hour of your Thursday morning early breakfast show on LBC with me, Steve Allen. We've got all the papers in the studios. I shall wander through them in the next 30 minutes. Coming up, the nation that has the best quality of life in the in the, the EU. And no surprise, it's not us over here. The story of the blogger in Vietnam who's been sent to jail for posting online criticism of the government. Chris Martin has signed up to be a guest on the US version of The Voice, which, incidentally, is more exciting than the UK version. And the latest on the missing flight, MH370, with Lisa Aziz on the morning news. The gadget giveaway is an Apple iPad Mini with Retina display. It's absolutely gorgeous. And we've got more of your texts and emails. From LBC, this is Steve Allen. It's next.
0: This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC.
1: Morning, five past six, it's LBC. We've got all the papers, we'll run through them in a moment. Chris Martin has signed up to be a guest on the American version of The Voice, which has to be so much better than the one that we've got over here, it's dreadful. Uh, The latest on the missing flight, MH370. We've crossed twice on the programme this morning to Australia. They think they found some wreckage. They cannot confirm where it has come from. It's going to be a few hours yet. There are ships going out, steaming to the spot uh, in the southern corridor. I think it's about 2,500 miles off Perth. The uh, condition's not great at the moment. There are ships and aircraft that are going out there because they're hoping that they found this missing flight. All of that and more between now and half past. And don't forget, you've got 25 minutes to get your entries in for the gadget giveaway. Mark Watling from Turnford got himself the fabulous Wii console. So congratulations, Mark. He's very happy. They're now waiting for it so he can tell the children exactly where it came from. Today, it's the 16-gig model, the Apple iPad Mini with Retina display. With Retina display. So one lucky listener will win it. All you have to do is answer this question correctly. Which actor played Forrest Gump? Which actor played Forrest Gump? Text the word gadget, then your answer, and send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. It's got it, so don't send it at 6.30, because if you do, if you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but you may still be charged, and the text costs £1.50, plus your standard network rate. We play across the LBC network, full terms and conditions, online at lbc.co.uk. So which actor is renowned for playing Forrest Gump, Forrest Gump. Good luck uh, for that one. It's called, Craig today. Your opportunity to uh, to quiz the Deputy Prime Minister. I think it'll be it'll be looking back to the budget of yesterday, and uh, I'm quite sure that you'll have a few comments on it. Uh, there's also the story in the paper today. We've we've had these before of people who who inadvertently stop their motor vehicles. And try and read signs. Unfortunately, now, you get caught on camera. There are cameras everywhere. Twickenham Town Centre, apparently, I'm led to believe, is going to have about 20 cameras, um, which will be monitoring motorists who are doing a legal right turn. Lots of motorists doing illegal right turn, but you'll be caught on camera. And you just get these summonses in the post. I was coming back down the motorway from Farnbury yesterday because I'd been out to, uh, to try and buy some Cabbage cream eggs. Not for me, you understand, because I don't eat Cabbage cream eggs. I have had them in the past, but I don't eat them. I was going to buy them as a gift for somebody, but they've sold out. As I'm coming back down the motorway and I'm pootling along at 65.70, which I think is quite adequate. If I want to put my foot down occasionally, I'll have a little burst of power and then I don't bother. The cars that were racing past me was absolutely... In fact, I was counting them. There must have been 10 cars that went past me doing in excess of 100 miles an hour. An accident waiting to happen. Strangely, all driven by men. All of a certain age. And they weren't young. They weren't young. And I kept thinking, where are the police when you need them? If you put cameras over the motorway, you could stop just automatically. You know, three penalty points for this, three penalty points for that. I mean, one person I passed, who actually, (laughs) for a change, I passed them. He was actually on his telephone. Blissfully, it was quite a big telephone as well. But blissfully unaware that I was sort of driving along next to him. He could have easily swerved out there. So that would have been... Six penalty points, I'm assuming, because you've got to have both hands on the wheel. That's what the law is. So here's the story of David Osborne. David stopped outside a bar he was planning to visit and hopped out to read the sign. So it was it was 90 seconds to check whether or not he was actually allowed to park there. Uh, in that time, he, got, he was spotted by a CCTV operator who sent him a £70 penalty notice. <laughs> he was only there for 90 seconds. But the trouble is... It's in New York. You see these signs. Do not park here for ten minutes, ten seconds. If you do, then you'll be fined. And so, he said, when I first opened the letter, I remember, he said, I had to think back as I couldn't even remember the incident. I was a bit shocked. I could not have been parked up for more than 90 seconds. And so the letter includes pictures of him snapped by the council's cameras, which show him quite clearly outside of the car, leaning back to read the parking regulations. He said it's a complete waste of the council's money. It has to set, it has to pay to send the notice and pictures out, and then for the appeal process, all for the sake of a few seconds. It's ridiculous. I have to be honest. I ha- I am in agreement with him. However. A spokesman for Bristol City Council said it had reconsidered the case and would be withdrawing the fine. Well, well done, Bristol Council. I mean, that's the first bit of decent common sense we've had in a long while. Julie Walton said the case has been reviewed and he was clearly reading the restriction signs and not parking. We would like to remind drivers who think they have received a parking fine incorrectly to use the appeals procedure that's set out on the ticket. Because you remember last week I told you the story of Graham Wilkinson he stopped near a zebra crossing in South on sea for seven seconds to let his 12-year-old son get out of the car to go to school. Effectively, he parked because they'd opened the door. And he, he got hit with a fine. Whether or not he gets away with it, I've got no idea. But I like to think that Bristol City Council get a huge round of applause today for actually showing a bit of common sense. It was a driver who, at 68, perhaps couldn't read what was uh, what was going on. And so he gets out of the car. He wasn't actually... Well, Him technically he was parked, but he hadn't parked and wandered off to do anything. He'd actually parked to try and read the sign to find out if he could park there. So that's why. Um, uh, somebody says, Thank goodness in conversation will be repeated in the evenings. My Jack Russell Henry was most peeved at the thought. His walk could be later than usual. And somebody said, I, I went to Harlow the other day, proper Chavland." Oh, I've been to... Oh, don't say that. Oh. Oh we have Kevin the Miltman down. I was like a ton of bricks. The budget's very good, Steve. If you're on benefits, you can sit in the pub and play bingo. It's yes, bingo very popular now, apparently. I don't know. I don't, don't quite see the appeal myself. I have done bingo before in the past. And they've discovered some ancient rocks. Uh, and this is in North and South Dakota. They found a complete skeleton of what they say is the chicken from hell. The Anzu Wileel pictured in an artist's impression, was a fearsome fighter thought to have lived 66 million years ago. There'll be certain people listening who do not believe this, but I promise you, it is true. It is true. This was a ten foot tall, feathered, wings. it looks like a chicken, it's a big chicken, ten feet tall. It had long talons, a lethal beak and a powerful tail. And so now they found three fossils and found that they formed an almost complete skeleton. Unbelievable! See, I love stuff like this. Love stuff. Who was it was telling me the story the other day? And I wasn't sure if we could ever prove it. Oh, I did ask Nick Ferrari. Alan Titchmarsh is going to stop doing the show. When? I'm not too sure. I think perhaps they'll do one more series. <coughs> Excuse me, and then he will he will stop uh, doing the television program. Whether it gets replaced, I don't know. As far as I know, I think he part owns the company that make the program in the same way that Paul O'Grady owns Olga Productions which make his shows, and that means that the television company give you the money and you turn the programme out for that. So whether they give you £80,000 a programme or £100,000, I don't know what it is, but then you have to make the programme, which is uh, which good, actually, which is very good. Uh, Ronan Keating's in town. Could you have him in for a guest for In Conversation? I bumped into him. I want to ask him that one question. Do you wax all your body? Because Ronan Keating used to be quite famous for having hair coming up from the top of his shirt up his neck. And, and I used to think, shave it, he used to get quite annoyed about it. Shave it off, shave it off. Now the next time we saw him, he did a picture for testicular cancer, I think. And uh, so he was there, practically naked. Well, he was naked with his hands covering the appropriate object. And, um, and he, he was completely shaved. Completely shaved. Interesting. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. I saw Tony Benn give a couple of speeches in the 80s, and even as a kid, I thought he was a dreamer. He was up against Thatcher and her principles of selfish and greed, so he didn't stand a chance. Well, it, the public didn't vote for him. That was the trouble. The public didn't, uh, didn't take to Tony Benn. I found him very interesting. I think at 88 he was an old, was an old statesman, as it, as it were, but he certainly doesn't deserve to lie in state as Thatcher did. People who turn up at every funeral going called rent a mourner. Says Sharon, you could rent them years ago. That was that's what Oliver was based on, wasn't it? They actually, you know, they had this boy who they took out and he was for sale because he was at, at the orphanage. They wanted really to get rid of him, and he was he was bought by the funeral company to walk in front of the coffin, to walk in front of the hearse, as was in those days. And that was and that was sort of a paid person, and he had to cry. At one point they said, cry. Like that, as he's walking along, holding holding the, the cross. You laugh, but it, it did happen, I'm afraid, in those days. Kids went up chimneys and did everything else. Uh, Rick in Hull says, ''People want to go to other people's funerals because they enjoy their own.'' He says, uh, ''I've got my flat pack ebony solid pine one in my bedroom. It gives me no problem.'' I knew a woman who actually bought a coffin. It's very difficult to buy a coffin. I don't know whether you're aware of it, but they did a television programme on how difficult it is to actually go out and buy one because they won't supply them to you. They'll supply them to... Funeral homes. We used to have a studio, and next door to us was a funeral home, and every Wednesday morning, this huge lorry would turn up, and they would take up the roller shutters of the funeral home, and they would offload all these coffins, all in different sizes, because there's no point in them going, terribly sorry, we've got Steve Allen in, and he's five foot six. I haven't got a five foot Could we, we put him in a slightly smaller one or something, you know, break his knees or something? And so all these coffins used to arrive, but you try buying one. Blimmin' difficult. They don't want to sell to you unless you're a funeral director. So you can always get some fake cards made up, I suppose. Uh, Time now. (laughs) 6.15. And this is your chance to be a part of that battle. You can now put forward your question for Nick Clegg and Nigel Farage on Britain's membership of the European Union. Go to our website, lbc.co.uk, submit the question. There's a week to go before the LBC leaders' debate. It's live on LBC and lbc.co.uk next Wednesday at 7pm. It's first on LBC, truly leading Britain's conversation. So go to the website, lbc.co.uk. The other thing you have to... uh, You've got about eight minutes left for the gadget competition for today which is the the apple ipad mini if you haven't seen one i promise you it's it's so compact it just it will fit into a pocket and it will take you around the world literally it's absolutely beautiful and this one's got the retina display so it can identify you it's a 16 gig model so you can download your music on it. You can do everything on it. Put films on, all sorts of things. It's, ab- it's absolutely wonderful. It really is. So one lucky listener will win the Apple iPad Mini with the Retina display. You just need to tell me which actor played Forrest Gump. Which actor played Forrest Gump. Text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T, followed by your answer. So it's gadget. Then the actor's name who played Forrest Gump. And send it to 84850 Got to get here before 6.30 this morning. That's why I say do it now, actually. The text costs pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network, full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Um, I had a, had a lovely uh, series of books in, actually, from Nick in Watford. Very, very interesting. Looking at Criminal London, actually. So, I mean, I love stuff like that. Uh, so, Nick, thank you very much indeed from Watford. He said, I hope you like the gifts. Absolutely. And then one here, uh, which says, some things get better with age, and you're one of them. Which <laughs> Sound like a fine wine. And uh, Mick and Zoe in Chessington says, my husband and I always listen to your show, and we podcast it. My husband has bought me the latest iPod, as my old one gave up, and I couldn't bear to be without listening to the programme, because we like the show a lot. Last year, my husband was trying to guess your age. I said, no need. I know how old Steve is, as the year you were born is the same as mine. What gave it away was at last, here's somebody who knows about Mr Pastry, Twizzle, Torchy. He says, and you know about Uncle Holy, who used to be in Selfridges instead of Father Christmas? No. (laughs) I I never went to Selfridges. We lived out out in the sticks, I'm afraid. She said, my mum took me to see uh, Uncle Holy... Because I was a bit frightened about Father Christmas. My mum was always taking me to London and always fitted Lyon's Corner House in where she taught me to be a lady. We dressed very smartly and on best behaviour. Do you remember the days when people dressed to go to the theatre? I'm old enough to remember now when people dre- now people go in jeans and t-shirts. Lovely days, lovely days. I know I was privileged to have done all these things. So yes, I will be 60 in June. 60 in June and I don't want to be. Keep the show going, as I've told loads of my friends, and they love it too. They say they don't know how you get away with some of the things. It's outrageous, isn't it? Outrageous. Anyway, uh, hope you have a good day. I don't know what to do on mine. Maybe going to the Portsmouth for the day. Go to the go see the Mary Rose. Go see the Mary Rose. You will not be disappointed. I promise you. It's it's. I mean, I'm I'm telling everybody to go. If I find somewhere that I like and I'm moved by it, then I think you should be moved by it and go and see one of Henry VIII's warships, a Tudor warship, half of it anyway. But uh, it's very. It's, it's sort of eerie, but strangely fascinating. Strangely fascinating. Uh, Martin says, my old dad used to be Jim Davidson's minder years ago when he worked on the old Kemp Road. My old man said Jim was all right. Bit tight around a pound note. <laughs> and Jen says, I would like Christine Bleakley to join the Loose Women and then we can enjoy you every morning saying, hiya. She says, I like it when you do accents. It's quite funny. Kevin, the very peeved milkman, says, name and shame, Steve. Steve who's had a go at Harlow? We have uh, we've we have Jeremy Kyle's waiting room, the Hubcap Museum, and occasionally a celebrity forty-year-old <coughs> visiting with his godchildren. I couldn't name and shame. I know you'd only go round there and sort of stop delivering his uh, his uh, his, uh, his milk. Front page of the Daily Mail: Pension power to the people. Finally, the Chancellor stands up for savers. The Sun. They've got uh, Maddy, new prime suspect. And then they're looking at uh, Wingo, tax on bingo halls hard. It's an odd one, that. I couldn't quite work out. Well, perhaps Nick Clegg will explain that later. Two pence off a pint of beer. So, in other words, having said, we want to make sure that people sort of cut back on their drinking. We're kind of encouraging it. Pensioners can cash in. There's a help to buy extended. An extra £500 tax-free pay. Uh, the ISA limit up to 15000 A million more jobs. Where they're coming from, I've got no idea. And a freeze on a wee dram. But uh, if you smoke, forget it, because they're going to go for you big time. Daily Star, Maddie cops Hunt, serial sex fiend. Having told us, it was only a short while ago, wasn't it? I do remember reading on the programme, because you never know what to believe with the Madeleine McCann hunt. Yes, they're over there and they've got five suspects. And they, well, that obviously came to nothing. So now they're now probing the hunt for a pot-bellied serial sex fiend who apparently has abused before. They don't know who he is. They just know that he was... Uh, I forget what they what they've said about him, but he's known for... Uh, abusing people over there. So now this has only just come to light. Daily Mirror have done the budget 2014. Licence to spend for rich OAPs. They really are a downer on OAPs with money, don't they? New Maddy Suspect attacked five British girls. Uh, the Metro today. Osborne rewards the makers, the doers and the savers, but there's a few quid for those who like bingo beer and whiskey too. And uh, bandmates fearing for Mick Jagger's health after his girlfriend, Lorenz Scott, was found hanged in her apartment in America. front of the Daily Telegraph, you've earned it, you have saved it, and now after years of lean times, Osborne's pensions revolution will reward you too. So a picture there of the, uh, the Chancellor carrying the famous red box. I'd love to know what's in it. I want, I, I want them to open it one day and just show us what's in there. Uh, the Express, the Madeleine breakthrough, police hunt intruder who attacked five other British girls. Why it would take this long to get round to it, years after she's vanished, I've got no idea. And uh, millions of savers and pensioners given a boost yesterday in a feel-good budget dedicated to helping those who have worked hard and saved hard all their lives. The beer duty cut by a penny a pint, duty on cider and spirits frozen, automatic increase in wine duty scrapped getting better for uh, for drinkers. Tobacco up 2% above inflation over the next six years, adding 28 pence to a packet of cigarettes. Uh, the ISA allowance is up as well, 15,000 a year tax-free in cash or shares. And the income tax personal allowance is up to £10,500 from April next year, overall saving of £800 under the coalition government. Just about it for today. I'm back with you uh, tomorrow morning from four. Do not miss it. Do download the uh, the new app which you can get on the LBC website. Later on LBC, Nick Ferrari here from 7 with breakfast. Lisa Aziz next with the morning news.